Good morning, my name is Jordan Tamura and today we're in the middle of a series called Do You See Her? We're going to be talking about Bathsheba and I did want to give a content warning beforehand that some of the things we're going to be talking about today are like PG-13 so if you don't want your little ones to hear this quite yet you might want to send them away. <laughs> So today we're asking ourselves, do we see Bathsheba? Or another way of asking this is, do we value her or accept her? And although I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have heard of David and Bathsheba or are familiar with the story, I don't think that we really see her. <laughs> we barely see her in the actual passage. We don't get to see her perspective or her thoughts or her feelings at all. The only things we really find out about her is she's bathing because she just finished her period. We find out that she's beautiful, who her father is, who her husband is, and then we find out David slept with her and she got pregnant. So really her whole experience is boiled down to bathing and he slept with her. And those four little words have been subject of much interpretation over the years. Um, people have said he slept with her because she was too beautiful and tempting and David couldn't resist. Or he slept with her because uh, she purposefully seduced him by bathing on his rooftop for him to see. But I think the more realistic version of that is that he slept with her because he abused his power and took what he wanted. Sounds a little harsh, but here's why I, and more importantly, other more qualified teachers believe this to be true. See, David was a king, right? And he summoned this woman who he may know her family, but she doesn't have like status or power or anything. And then it says those four magic words, he slept with her. And even if we gave him the benefit of the doubt and say that he asked for her consent, as a woman, especially a woman at that time, how was she ever supposed to say no? And when you can't say no, you can't really give consent, and that's considered rape. And yet that's not mentioned in the story at all, which feels like a really huge detail to leave out. And honestly, when I first heard this, I was pretty shocked, um, but at the same time, it made sense and it clicked right away for me. And so I want to pause and check in with y'all because I know I'm throwing a lot at you right away, right off the bat. Um, and I'm sure we're at a wide range of places right now. Some of us might be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He definitely raped her. <laughs> Some of us might still be processing a little bit like, okay, I, I can see where you're going with it. I still need to adjust to it, but I'm with you. And then some of us might be like, no, no, he it didn't say rape in the Bible. And David was like the best king ever. So really any woman would be lucky to sleep with him. And so if you're kind of, you know, having a hard time believing that David raped Bathsheba, I want to pause and spend some time today reflecting on that. Um, you know, thinking about like, why do these initial thoughts and feelings come up for us? And why is it so easy to quickly dismiss the idea that David raped her. And I'm not saying this to like single anyone out or call anyone out for doing something wrong because I think it is a very common and familiar response for people to have, especially 
nowadays when we hear about sexual violence or rape cases. A lot of times our initial reaction when we hear someone reporting a rape is to question and doubt. You know, we ask like, oh, well, did you lead him on maybe? Or are you sure maybe you're not just overreacting or being a little too sensitive right now? Did you try to say no? You know, men could be really dense. You gotta be really straightforward. You know, maybe you didn't really get what you were saying. You, you probably were being too nice about it. If you didn't want to, do anything, you should have said something. But I want us to reflect on this pattern. Why are these the first questions that come up for us? Do they really matter? Because when I think about it, when other people experience other kinds of violation, we don't ask these types of questions. For example, when the AV bin was broken into, no one asked Daniel like, are you sure you locked it up? a year and a half ago when you didn't know that you were going to be coming back for a year and a half? Why would you just leave all this stuff out to tempt people to take it? Don't you know that there's people out there that want to rob you? No. They asked, are you okay? How can I help? How can I support you? How are you doing? I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I think it's because we know that it's indisputably wrong for someone to steal our stuff. But we don't treat women like it's indisputably just as bad for men to violate them. Why is that? Why are we unable to value victims of rape and sexual violence as much as we value victims of theft? Instead of listening and making space for their stories and their pain and their feelings, why do we question and pile on suggestions and advice? It only leaves women feeling more alone and unheard and unseen than before they shared their trauma. Women we don't need more advice. <laughs> we already know, you know, not to park next to vans or to how to carry our keys so we could stab someone if we need to, to protect ourselves. Or if we're going out to text someone to let them know where we're gonna be and how long, just in case anything happens. You know, we've thought about this way more than any man ever will. And so we don't need more solutions because women aren't the problem. And so women can't be the solution. We can't fix this for men. We could do all the right things that we're supposed to be doing. We could prepare as much as we want, but that still doesn't actually guarantee that a man won't assault us. I myself am like a huge rule follower. I love knowing the expectations and what I'm supposed to be doing and making sure I'm doing it the right way. And even I, was in a situation where I was legitimately fearful that I was going to be assaulted. And like I said, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was at a safe place during the day. I was wearing an apron and a polo and a visor. So like nothing sexy at all. Uh, another person was there. My coworker was there just in the freezer getting high, super helpful. So nothing about that situation screams unsafe to me. But there I was at work when my coworker cornered me into the spot where we both knew that the camera wouldn't be able to see us. And he grabbed my arms and held me in place so that I wouldn't be able to move or fight back. And I was terrified. I was so young and I couldn't believe that this was actually happening and so I just froze and anything else that I was supposed to do 
it kind of just flew out of my head in the moment because you just don't expect that type of thing to happen. And so there I was unable to get out or fight back or move. And I was just staring up at him like, oh my God, what is going to happen? What is this man going to do to me? And then all of a sudden he just stopped and let go of me. It was like a literal switch went off in his eyes. And then he just acted like nothing happened. And we never talked about it. I actually never even told anyone about it. Because I thought that, you know, I was lucky that he didn't do anything and didn't follow through. And that, you know, this happens all the time to women. This is something that everyone has experienced. And so it was like a normal thing. And so mine wasn't even that big of a deal. And so, yeah, I didn't say anything until maybe a few years ago when I was sharing Daniel to give an example like, yeah, stuff happens all the time. Look at my mild experience. And I remember when I told him the shock on his face, I could see how hurt and sad and frustrated he was on my behalf. I don't think I fully understood the gravity of what happened to me until that moment when I shared it with him and I saw how upset he was for me. He saw my pain and my fear and my helplessness. And although I'm sure he had a ton of questions like, why did he do that? Why didn't you just do this? Or this situation doesn't make sense. I don't understand. That's like his favorite thing to say is I don't understand. But in that moment, he didn't ask me any of those questions. He didn't doubt me. He just was with me and mourned with me and listened to me. And in that moment, I felt very loved and very seen and held. And even though I knew that he would never fully understand the things that we have to worry about every single day, even in mundane situations like going to work or picking up groceries, and that he would never be able to fully you know the invisible burden that we carry, in that moment, it still meant so much that he was willing to just listen and to learn what he could do to help carry that burden with me. That's experiencing heaven together, loving one another, even if you don't totally understand their feelings and experiences, not questioning or shaming or doubting them, not trying to fix it or minimize it, not getting caught up in the little details and technicalities like we're so used to doing. Not telling them what they should have done differently, as tempting as it may be. In fact, you don't really have to say anything. It might be even better if you don't, if you don't fully understand. Just be with them and let them know that you're for them. Acknowledge and accept and value their feelings and experiences, even if you don't totally agree with their perspective. You don't have to agree with someone to love them and support them and value them as a person. Experiencing heaven together means finally treating women like their pain and their feelings and their desires mean just as much as men's. It's amplifying their voices and their stories and not just women. 
disabled voices, queer voices, black, brown, and indigenous voices, all the voices that we have silenced, we need them. We need to hear them and to see them to stop the cycle of pain and violence in this world. There's one woman that I'm so grateful that she shared her story. Her name is Chanel Miller. You might have heard of her. She was um, raped by Brock Turner while she was unconscious. You might know Brock is the Stanford swimmer who got a really light sentencing from the judge. Um, or you might have heard of her because she shared a statement to Brock in court that went viral. And I just love how she stood up and said, see me and really made people see her story and see her experience and see her as a person and not just as a rape victim. Because not everyone can do that. That's really scary and really brave and vulnerable. But the fact is that we shouldn't make women do that. Experiencing heaven together means seeing women and hearing their stories, even without them having to fight to be heard. And so to close today, I wanted to read an excerpt from her statement and then I'll pray for us. And finally, to girls everywhere, I am with you. On nights when you feel alone, I am with you. When people doubt or dismiss you, I am with you. I fought every day for you, so never stop fighting. I believe you. As the author Anne Lamott once wrote, lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. Although I can't save every boat, I hope that by speaking today, you absorbed a small amount of light, a small knowing that you can't be silenced, a small satisfaction that justice was served, a small assurance that we are getting somewhere, and a big, big knowing that you are important. Unquestionably, you are untouchable, you are beautiful, you are to be valued, respected, undeniably, every minute of every day, you are powerful and nobody can take that away from you. To girls everywhere, I am with you. Lord, that is my prayer for Westlight, that we would be with each other, just as you are with us, God that even if we understand a lot of someone's story or a little of someone's story, that we will be with one another, that we would be slow to speak and rich in love, that we would stand with one another, that we will give each one of us the dignity that everyone deserves, that we would give value, respect, and love one another, that we would have empathy for each other, and that we would see one another it is such a huge honor and privilege to see another person for all of who they are. So may we not take that lightly or take it for granted. May we not abuse that, but may we love one another as you have loved us. And through that experience, heaven together. Amen. <laughs>